Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. We are glad you're here. We're glad you're free. We'd love for you to have a seat. We have the wonderful privilege on Resurrection Sunday to demonstrate it through baptism. I hope you're as excited as I am. I'm going to do baptism differently than I've ever done it before because we're letting some dads baptize their kids. One of the things that we believe at River Bluff deeply in is that moms and dads are the primary disciples in the lives of their children. And so today we have two dads who have said, I'm going to, I'm going to give leadership to this. And so I want you to meet them. If y'all would... Open that curtain, please. There we go. This is Sophie Grace Vice and her daddy Brent. And if you are a member of the Vice family or a close friend, we're going to ask you to stand up right now. And the Shaker crew in the back is here. Amen. Yeah, it's a little, bring a little excitement here. Okay, I want to ask you, Brent, a question. Now, uh, do you consider yourself to be dad the family shepherd over your home and you are taking on the primary responsibility of seeing that your daughter Sophie is discipled in the ways of the Lord? Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Praise the Lord. Well then brother, ask her those two important questions and then baptize your daughter. and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in newness of life. Woohoo! Yeah! Sophia Grace, I have something here for you. If you would just stick your finger there and get a little salt on that thing, taste that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know, sister. That's how I feel about it, too. Well, here's what's good about that. Jesus said, Sophie, because he lives in you, you're the salt of the earth. And that means you're going to make a difference. Just like your mouth changed with that salt, you're going to change the world because Jesus lives in you. And I'm really excited about that. And you know what? I forgot to light this candle, so I'm just going to do it this way. How about that? Jesus also said that you're the light of the world, dear. And what his plan is, is for you to go live your life taking Jesus everywhere you go because he lives in you. And don't hide your light. All you got to do is just live for him. And he will let your light shine so that others will know about him. You going to do that for us? God bless you, Sophie Grace. I'm going to let you and your dad head on up and out of here. God bless you. Amen. Derek, y'all want to come on? There we are. <laughs> Slow and careful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is Emmett Hicks and his dad, Derek. And if you are a family member or close friend, we're going to ask you to stand now. Yeah, amen. And the Shaker crew is, is at it again. Derek, 
you heard what I, I shared with Brent and with our church, and um, I, I know that you're very honored to be here, but I just want to ask you the same question. Uh, have, have you taken on the responsibility of being dad to family shepherd to raise your son, uh, Emmett, to, to know the Lord and follow after him? I'm committed to that. Amen, brother. Well, then here's what I want you to do. Ask him those two important questions and then baptize your son. Emmett Hicks, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Who is Jesus to you? My Lord and Savior. Amen. Okay. Remember, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) By your public profession that Christ is your Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, buried in Christ in baptism. Amen. Newness of life. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Emmett, I got a gift for you too, brother. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Do you love salt? It was a joke, but okay, there you go. I thought you thought that was sugar or something, dude. That was that was a bunch of salt. Well, that that change that we told Sophia Grace about is the same change that Jesus says is taking place in you because he lives in you. And I know you know that already. You've already, you've already understood that. You're a little bit older and you're walking with the Lord a little bit differently. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth. And that means everywhere you go, you're going to add flavor to the world, the flavor of Jesus. And this world needs that flavor these days, buddy. And Jesus also said that you are the light of the world. And what that means is Jesus is alive in you. He says that he was the light of the world. And because he lives in you now, you're the light of the world. And so everywhere you go, you take that light of Jesus and you let it be known. Don't don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Don't be ashamed of it. Be bold about it. And let others know about the love you have for God through your relationship with Jesus. Can you do that, my friend Emmett? Okay, God bless you, brother. All right, thank you. Yeah, amen. Let me pray for us, okay? Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you right now in Jesus' name giving thanks for the celebration of the resurrection that we have in you, O God. And we just come now to worship you, to thank you, to celebrate the life that we have in you. Receive our worship now, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, River Bluff family. You may be seated. It is so wonderful to be gathered together corporately here on this Easter morning, Resurrection Day, as the family of River Bluff. If this is your first time visiting, we want to welcome you to uh, join us as we worship our great and mighty God together. If you're watching at home, we welcome you as well. At this time, as we continue in worship, let's go to our Father in prayer. Father God, we come before you to worship you because you are more than worthy of our worship. The cross reminds us of your great love and mercy toward us. It reminds us that we are unworthy to come before you and that your wrath and punishment is what we deserve. But the cross also reminds us that that wrath and punishment that we deserve, you placed upon your son as a substitute in our place. What great love you have for us. The empty tomb reminds us that you have defeated our greatest enemy, death itself. And so, Father, we come before you humbly worshiping you, 
for who you are and for all that you've done in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. As we continue in worship, Father, we just thank you for this incredible day that we get to come before you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Well, how are you? Y'all are a little more awake than the first crowd was. It took them a moment to get their motors running. And, but it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We're glad you're here today uh, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And I don't know what is more uh, enjoyable to do uh, on a day like this than baptisms. And we love to baptize uh, any day. Uh, we do. But they're just a little more special on Easter because they're, they're a reminder of the resurrection. It's a picture of the resurrection. And I just want to, again, or Emmett and Sophia, yeah, there's Emmett. Is, is Sophia Grace out here? She, she made it back out yet? Oh, right. Okay. She's in the back. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that they were willing and eager uh, actually to, to do that. And one of the things that I love about getting to do baptisms the way that we did them today uh, is with parents at the, the, the front and center of doing that. One of the things that I, I just love is watching parents disciple their kids, understanding, coming to know that uh, under God's authority, they are the primary disciples of their children. And since baptism is the, the first obedient step of a disciple, what better way than one of their parents to do the baptism of their kids when that parent has said, I am in in helping disciple my kid to know Jesus and follow him uh, all the days of their lives. And so I, I, I am grateful that uh, for families uh, that do that. I'm grateful, so grateful for our River Kids ministry that partners with our parents uh, to help them walk to know the Lord and, and that uh, families see our, our River Kids ministry and our student ministry driven uh, as a partner uh, in a, in what's going on in the lives of their, their children and their students. Um, also, just want to share with you, if you've been hanging out at River Bluff for a little bit and uh, maybe you're thinking about, I'm not you know, necessarily all that up on that pastor guy. I got some questions about him, but I love the rest of the people here. Uh, we're going to do an Exploring Church Membership Seminar uh, on May the 1st at 4 o'clock, that Sunday afternoon. Um, if you've been thinking, maybe I'd like to become a part of this family. Maybe I'd like to join River Bluff Church. Uh, we try to answer the questions that you may have and uh, encourage you in, in your walk with the Lord. So maybe you want to make plans or, or begin thinking about, about that. Um, we're going to hit the ground running, so if you've got your Bibles, open them, turn them on, light them up, whatever you need to do uh, to see God's Word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 23 is where we're going to start this morning. And we're picking up in the context, kind of where Dean left us. Jesus had been crucified on the cross. His dead body had been taken down off that cross on Friday. It was placed in a borrowed tomb, which was really smart since he was only going to use it for a weekend. No use in paying all those big fees, you know, for your own plot if you were only going to borrow it for a weekend. But they had to quickly do this because the Sabbath, that Friday evening, was approaching uh, very soon, and so they had to move quickly. And so we pick up with them having laid the body in the tomb. So in uh, Luke chapter 23, we're going to start in verse 55. Read with me if you would. The women who had come 
with him, speaking of Jesus, come with Jesus from Galilee, followed. So they're basically following this very small funeral procession, if you would, to the tomb. And they saw how his body was laid. Verse 56. Then they returned, returned to the place where they were staying in Jerusalem at this time, and prepared spices and ointment. Uh, that, that was to basically be kind of the embalming. They didn't get a chance to do that on, on Friday. Then it says on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. So they, they, they waited. So that was Friday night. This is now Saturday. They're resting. And then it says this, but on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, first day of the week at early dawn, they were eager to do this. They went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Now, I don't, they knew that the stone was pushed in front of that tomb. I don't know what they were thinking about how they were going to get that stone rolled away. But anyway, they went knowing that they had a job to do. And it said when they, they arrived, it did not, um, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Do you hear that? They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus when they went in. And it says... While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Now, on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Day, when somebody says, he is risen, what is your response? <laughs> Let's try that again. He is risen. There you go. I know you just, it was, it was a cueing thing. I got it. My timing was off. It was on, I'll, I'll, I'll own that. It was on me. Now, here's, here's the deal. The fact, the fact that Jesus was dead and was raised from death has incredible implications for the entire world. It has in incredible implications for all of creation, all of the created order, the, the universe. But it also has incredible personal implications for you and, and for me. And I, there, there are many, but I just want to point out three today, just very personal implications because Jesus was raised from the dead. The first one is this. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, I can have real meaning in my life. My life can have true meaning, the meaning that God intended, the kind of purpose that God created me for. Now, one of the, the most important things that you need to know uh, about God in your relationship with him is he wants you to have a meaningful life. An abundant life, a, a rich life. And if you don't figure out what that looks like, you're going to waste your life. You'll go through your whole life kind of stammering and, you know, uh, uh, around. Because a lot of people are confused about what it means to have uh, meaning in life. Some people think it's success. So they run after success, thinking that you're, you know, if I'm incredibly successful, I'll have that kind of meaningful life. But you can be the most successful person on the planet and not have meaning in life. We know of many people. Their, their books are filled with people whose lives looked successful but had no meaning and they were empty. You can make a whole lot of money. 
I mean, you, you could do that. You can make all kinds of money and never know the real meaning of life that God has for you. I, I remember reading about a guy who said that my life has a great cast. I just don't know what the plot is. I think a lot of people feel like that. You've got some great people in your life, but you aren't really quite sure what your life is all uh, about. And I think a lot of people go through it that way. I, I heard about another guy uh, who said, I hope I don't get to the end of my life and find out it's a joke because I don't get the punchline of my life. I don't, I don't understand it. And, and people try all kinds of ways to find meaning in life, all, all kinds of different pathways, if you would, to find meaning in life. Some, some people try to arrive at real meaning in life through speculation, just kind of, quite frankly, guessing what is, what's the real meaning in life. Other people uh, try to do a little bit, something more active. They, they try to use their sanctified, maybe, imaginations, active uh, imaginations. And a lot of times they'll end up, you'll see the, these folks will be hanging out in the self-help section of a bookstore. They'll, they'll hang out there and, the, you know, they'll, they'll get these books to learn to set your goals and find your dreams and clarify your values and your vision. And all of those are wonderful things. They're, they're not evil or, or, or bad. But all of those things are not going to point you to real meaning in life. Other people try a third pathway for that. Just They, they, they kind of go the introspection pathway. They kind of try to look inside at what's going on uh, on the inside. You'll hear about this. Uh, a lot of talk shows do this. They'll try to lead you to look you know, on the inside. A lot of Eastern philosophies, uh, religions, Eastern religions, try to do that, get you to, to look on the inside. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to look deep on the inside to find meaning in life? I know there was a season in my life I tried to be a little bit more introspective about that. You know what I found out when I looked deep inside of me? I found a mess, a train wreck. That's just the truth. And the truth about all of us is when we really do look deep inside of our own lives, it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. So we're not going to find real meaning in life just by kind of going the introspection pathway. So there's got to be a, a, another way. You know, if I were to, if I had a gadget, a gizmo up here, mechanical gizmo, let's call it, and I asked you, I held it up, you'd never seen it before, I held it up and I said, what, what do you think the, 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 the purpose of this thing, what, what does this thing do, what's it for? Now you could, you could speculate, you could guess. You could use your imagination and think, you know, well, that's, you know, that's, that, that's, that's a, a UFO, you know, that, that, that's what that is. Somehow you got one of them. Um, or you could say, let me hold it. I want to look deep on the inside of it. But you know what's the best way to go about figuring out what the purpose of that gizmo is? Ask the inventor. Just ask the inventor. Or, or ask the, the inventor for the manual that he or she wrote to tell you how to get this thing to work and what, what it accomplishes. You know, that's the, the simplest way. We want to try all these other ways. The same is true of finding real meaning in life. Is we need to go to the one who created life, created your life. See, you're, you're not here by accident. You've heard me say this before. I, I normally talk about it on, um, uh, on Sanctity of Life Day. But 
There may be accidental parents, but there are no accidental kids. Never. Even if your parents did not plan you, God did. You wouldn't be here if God hadn't planned you. And he has incredible plans for you. And you may say, okay, Joe, what, is this, what does this have to do with Easter and the resurrection? Listen to what Paul wrote to the church at, at, Second Corinth, at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5. He said this, one man died for everyone. So he's talking about Jesus' crucifixion. He says that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could, didn't say would, There's a choice involved here. Everyone could be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. God says, you want to see real meaning in life? It is rooted in the resurrection of my son. It is a better life, a far better life. Now, we get that confused down here on earth with the good life. How many of y'all seen those good life bumper stickers? Or all the different kinds of life. You've seen salt life. You've seen mountain life. You've seen river life and lake life and camouflage life and hunting life. It's all this kind of, and everybody thinks that's, that, you know, that's, that's the, the, the good life. People think that, you know, the good life is if I, if I look good and I feel good and, you know, somehow I get the goods, that's the good life. That's what we kind of imagine the, the, the good life looks like. Only here's the problem with the pursuit of that good life. It's never good enough. You ever notice that? People who are pursuing that, the good looks, the good feelings, you know, getting the goods. It's never good enough. They're, they're, they're always running after more. And God says his plan is to give you a far better life. Friends, that's only found in Jesus' resurrection. Only found there. Paul writes to the church at Colossae in, in Colossians chapter 1. He says, for by him, speaking of Jesus, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. You were created for Jesus. You were created to live real, meaningful life in conjunction with the risen life of Jesus. And so until you get to know him, you'll never have real meaning in your life. He was the one who made you. He's the one who created you. And and that creator, that one that, that made you for himself, when he was, when he came to earth, One of the things he did, because his life was so remarkable, is he split human time. Just split it in half. B.C. and and, and A.D. He he just, his life was so powerful on, on this planet and his death and burial and resurrection was so powerful that it changed the course of human history. And friends, this church... River Bluff Church exists to help you know him, to help you find the plans he says he has for you for a far better life. And it's found in in his resurrection. Real meaning in life. There's a second incredible implication that's personal for you 
because of the resurrection of Jesus. See, because God raised Jesus from the dead, I can have real strength for the struggles I face. I can have real strength given to me through the struggles I'm facing. See, the single most important event in human history can give you strength today, right now, to face whatever struggles you are facing. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead over 2,000 years ago is available to you today in North Charleston, South Carolina, 2022, in Christ Jesus. Paul writes this to the church at Ephesus. He says, you will also know the unlimited greatness of his power as it works with might and strength for us, the believers. He worked with that same power in Christ when he brought him back to life and gave him the highest position in heaven. There is strength for you in the here and now in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, somebody may say, hey, time out for a minute, Joe. I, I, that you, are you telling me the power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, the might of God that did that, the strength of God that did that is available to me today to help me face the struggles I have in life? Yes, that's what I started to say. That's what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. It's what God's word says. God's word says that, that you can have access to that strength in your daily life. Look at what Paul writes to the church at Corinth again. He says, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. He wants to give you that better life, that far better life. He wants to raise us up also. See, the only reason any of us will ever be raised up is because of Jesus. If Jesus doesn't raise you up, you you won't be raised. So his resurrection can give you strength in this life right now. I'm going to mess with you for just a minute, okay? Just get personal, dig around a little bit. Right now in your life, where do you need resurrection? Where do you need that strength in your life right now? Maybe a better way to ask this question would be, where in your life right now do you feel like something's dying? Where in your life right now do you feel, what area of your life do you feel like, you're experiencing death. Is it in your marriage? God can give you strength there to raise it up. Is it in maybe your career? Maybe you expect it to be a little farther, you know, down the road in, on your career than, than you already are. And you're, you're living with disappointment God can give you strength and raise, raise you up. Do you find that you are currently living constantly exhausted? No margin in your life, fatigued all the time? God can give you new strength to energize your life. He never intended for you to run on your own strength. Human power was never going to be enough. It runs out. Human love runs out. That's why there's divorce in the world. See, you you and I, we we need supernatural strength, strength that we can't muster up ourselves, and it will only be resurrection strength that comes from Jesus. 
Maybe you need new strength for an old dream. Maybe, maybe you had a dream about something in life, something you felt like God had called you to. Maybe starting a ministry or something. And it's just kind of died. And Jesus is saying, I have resurrection strength to give you to bring that back to life, to, to rekindle that dream. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's been a relationship that is dead or dying. And God's coming to you today and he says, I have resurrection strength for you. The same, the same strength, the same power that raised my son. I know there's a break. I know there's conflict. I know there's a, a tear. Maybe even your heart's broken. But Jesus says, I can raise those up. What area of your life do you need resurrection? What do you need to see life come to? Because Jesus, through the power of his resurrection, can give you strength for the struggles you face today. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. Um, other than Jesus himself, probably the greatest Christian that ever, you know, maybe walked the earth. And there were times in Paul's life and Paul's ministry where he was just ready to throw in the towel. You ever felt like that? He was just ready to give it up. Look at what he wrote in 2 Corinthians. He's speaking about himself and some of his ministry partners. He said, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Despaired of life itself, he says. He says, indeed, we felt that we had received a sentence of death. He, he said, it just kind of feels like life's over now. Now, I have nothing else to give. But then what he says, he says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he goes on to say, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And Paul got to see God do it again and again and again and again. And some of you that have been walking intimately with the Lord Jesus over the years have seen him do it again and again and again. But some of you are waiting to see it now. You're waiting to see that hope fulfilled. You're waiting to see it. Right now you are burdened beyond your strength and you need to hear. This is why God brought you here today. You need it to hear God say, I have resurrection strength to give you to help you through your struggles. It can be available to you. But here's where you've got to go first. You've got to realize, you've got to come to the place where Paul did and said, I can't rely on my own strength. Can't rely on my strength. That's, God will bring you to that point where you realize you can't rely on your own strength. You've tried it, it's failed, but you come to that place where you say, I'll trust you, God. I'll put my trust in you. I will rely on you. See, God has strength waiting for you. He has resurrection strength waiting for you. And he's just waiting for you to get your hope off yourself and off your schemes and off your plans and put your total hope in him. That's what he's waiting for, to give you that strength. Friends, if, 
if God could raise a dead Jesus, he can certainly take care of any struggle that you're facing. He can raise a dead relationship, a dead career, a, a dead dream, a, a life that feels like it's dying on the vine. He could raise it. That's the kind of God we serve. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, we read these words. This is God saying, he gives strength to those who grow tired. He increases the strength of those who are weak. Friends, when you feel weary and worn out and weak by the struggles in your life, God's word says he wants to give you strength for those struggles. He wants to give you that, that access to that resurrection power. But you've got to rely on him. You've got to, you've got to trust in him. And you do that. The Bible says, by believing in his son, that he is the son of God, that he really truly was raised from the dead, that he really did die on a cross with your sins on his body and the sins of the world, and that he truly was raised up to, to, to life, and that he truly can give that resurrection life and strength to you to walk you through any struggle that you have. But instead of trusting God, what we like to do is gripe to God. Are any of you gifted gripers? You know, just that's your spiritual gift, spiritual gift of griping. See, you can grumble and complain, you can gripe to God all you want. That, that, that doesn't move God. You know what moves God? Trusting God, not, not griping, not complaining, not moaning and whining. Trusting him is what moves the heart of God and moves him to act on your behalf. Moves him to release resurrection strength into your life to walk you through your struggles, to give you a divine enablement. Now, you might say, Joe, but you don't understand my circumstance. You, you, don't, you don't know what I'm going through. And you're right. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what goes on in the hidden moments of your life in your heart. But I know two things. I know God does. And I know that Jesus said, this isn't going to come up on the screen. You can write it down if you want to. In Luke chapter 18, verse 27, Jesus said that with man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible with God. It doesn't matter where your struggle is or, or, or what you're facing. It, it, to you, it looks like something that cannot be overcome. You know what that looks like to God? A place for his mirac miraculous resurrection power to get released. A place for that strength that you need to come into your life. You don't think it can be overcome, but God has a plan. All things are possible with God. It looks like a place to God where he wants to give you more than you can ask or even imagine. So where does this strength come from? Peter writes this in 2 Peter 1. He says, as you know him, speaking of Jesus, as you know Jesus better, he will give you through his great power everything you need for living a truly good life. That far better life we were talking about earlier comes as you know him. It says he'll give you everything. 
And you may say, Joe, I don't, I don't feel like I have everything I need. I, right now, I don't feel like I, I have everything I need. Well, you know what the solution to that is? What, what, did, what did the Bible say? It says, as you know him better. So if you don't feel like right now you have everything you need to see you through that struggle that you're facing in life, the answer to that is to get to know Jesus better by spending time in his word. Friends, the gospels especially, getting to know Jesus, his teaching, his plans for your life, his hopes for you, his hopes for your, your eternity. He wants to give you strength Resurrection strength to overcome and see you through those struggles. Here's a third incredible implication. Because God raises Jesus from the dead, I can have a real home in heaven. You can have a real home in heaven. You can know that you have a place for you for all eternity with Jesus in heaven. And you can know it because the resurrection happened. You know, there is just something in us. The Bible tells us that God planted eternity in every human heart. We all long for something, something more, more than what we have in the here and now. And through the resurrection, we, we learned the good news that there is something beyond this life. That even though this body, and it's going to quit, some of them, uh, you know, are like mine, it's already started falling apart, you know, the shingles are coming off the roof, and... The insides are kind of coming disarray and all those kinds of things. That's happening. It's real. This body is going to stop working, but that's not the end. It, it's not over then. See, God created you. Everyone got created as an everlasting soul. Many of you know that I love the writings of Dallas Willard. About this, Dr. Willard said this. He says, through his resurrection... Jesus brings us reliable information about who we are and why we're here. So part of what his resurrection does gives us meaningful life. He goes on to say, he informs us that we are by nature unceasing spiritual beings with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. We will never stop existing, he says, and there's nothing we can do about it. Isn't that great news? You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. It's an incredible vision. See, you were made to last forever. And God says, I have proven that there is life after life when I raised my son from the dead. And friends, you know what that makes Jesus? It makes Jesus the expert, the sole expert on life after life because he's been there and he came back you haven't i haven't others haven't friends this is life-giving it's it gives us hope in knowing that death is not the end in john chapter 11 jesus doesn't just say that he was raised from the dead he goes on to say i am the resurrection and i am the life Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You can have this experience of everlasting life, beginning in the here and now, that eternal kind of life of knowing Jesus. You know, 
if, if you're going to come back after this life, it's going to be because of Jesus. He says he is, the re- not just that he gives it or that he did it, but he is resurrection itself. That means resurrection is a person. That's, that's what it is. When he says he's the resurrection, he's saying nobody else, nobody else can give you this kind of raised life, this kind of guarantee of life after life. I don't know if you know this, but one of the most attested to miracles of Jesus was his resurrection. Before, I think a lot of people think that here's what happened. Jesus died on Friday, was buried Friday evening, was in the tomb Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday morning, got out of the tomb, Monday morning went to heaven. But that's not what happened. Jesus he didn't just say, okay, done, done the death thing, done the resurrection thing, let's bow this pop sand. He, he didn't do that. Jesus hung out here for 40 more days. His resurrection was witnessed by person after person after person. It's recorded in multiple places. Over 500 people at one time saw the resurrected Jesus. It is an attested to Miracle. He walked around publicly, get these eyewitness accounts. And what Jesus says is, He says, I'm the one, and anyone who believes in me has the ability to live again eternally with me. So, how you do it? How did Jesus say you have access to this resurrection strength, this resurrection? Life, this resurrection promise that you will spend eternity with God, with Him in heaven. Did did Jesus say, if you will only be good, if you'll just do good, that's not what He said. Did did He say, if you go to church on Christmas and Easter, so y'all can check those boxes off, okay? You got got at least one of them. You're here on Easter. That's not what He said. He didn't say anything about having to go to church. Did he say, you can have access to this if, you're, if you promise to live perfectly? And, you know, the moment you promise to live perfectly, he's going to say you're lying because you can't. You're not going to be able to do that. Is it about giving lots of money? to? The, it's not about any of those things. Jesus said it was about believing that he was who he said he was, is, and that he was able to do what he did, that he was raised from the dead believe that he is truly the savior and then he will become your source of eternal hope here's what too many of us put our hope in we put our hope in things we can lose if you want to have a hope that gets you through the toughest times in this life you got to put your trust in something that can't be taken from you you can't put your hope in your bank account. That, could be, that can be ripped from you. you. You can't put your hope in a spouse. You could, you could lose them. You can't put your hope in your health or your, or your fitness or your good looks. Boy, that, that ship has sailed for many of us in here, hasn't it? Um, I think mine sunk, actually. Uh, see, d- d- you've got to put your hope in something that you cannot lose. Your job, your job could let you down. Another person, if that's where you're trying to put your hope, you're going to get disappointed. Why? Because nobody else has got. You know, one of the, 
One of the biggest struggles that I've seen uh, in marriages in the 40 years that I've been in ministry, one of the biggest struggles that I've seen is sometimes one spouse will try to put on their spouse these expectations that they are going to have all of their emotional and spiritual and physical needs met by that person. Friend, the only person that can do that is God. And if you're trying to pile that on to your spouse, you're going to be sorely disappointed and they're going to be extremely frustrated because they cannot bear the weight of that because they are not God. And it's unfair to think that they can bear that weight. You have to put your hope in someone else, someone that you can't lose. And that, only, that, that relationship can only be found in, in, with God through Jesus. See, hope is it's not a principle. Hope is not some church program. Hope is not a, a byproduct of a study that you can do. Hope is a person. It's the person of Jesus. He's the only person who, who can sustain your hope, the hope of the whole world. That's Jesus. And again, that's why, that's why time split in the world. Because he is the only one that could bear the kind of weight that we all need for hope. He's the hope of the world, of human history. In 1 Peter, we read this. God has reserved for his children, not, not for every person on the planet, but for his children, those who come to name Jesus as the Lord and Savior. For his children, the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God, in his mighty power, will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you're trusting in him. Now, here's what, here's what that's saying. Is that once you have trusted God for your salvation, once you've come to that place where you've realized that your sin has separated you from God, that Jesus was the sacrifice that God sent to pay the penalty for your sin so that you could have access to God again. When you come to the place where you put your trust in that and you quit trying to you know, rule, rule your own life and do life your way, repent is what the Bible says. When you come to that point, the, the, Jesus is saying here, it's his job to keep your salvation. Now, one of the things that the devil does in the lives of so many believers is he beats you up making you afraid, living in fear that you may not be saved. And you doubt it, and you doubt it, and you doubt it, and you doubt it, and you doubt it. And the Bible says that the, the Savior is also the secure of your salvation. That's what that passage in 1 Peter is talking about. He, not only will he save you, he secures your salvation. He guards it. He protects it from change or, or decay. You don't have to worry once you've put your trust in him. He will keep it. Jesus was so confident that, he, that once you came to him, that he, he would be able to keep your salvation. That in John chapter 14, he tells you this. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. See, Jesus is so secure that he can, that, that, so sure that he secures your salvation. He's already built a place for you. You got your own room in heaven. Some people call it a mansion. It depends on what translation of the Bible you're using. But you have your own place set aside waiting on you 
to spend eternity with God. That's how sure Jesus is of his ability to keep your salvation secure when you come to trust him. He's already built a a place for you. He's got a space picked out for you. He's gone ahead and done that because he wants you with him for forever. And after you put your total trust in him, you can be assured, you can be confident that you have this eternal dwelling place with God. And so, yeah, amen. So he tells us, since that's true, quit worrying about that. Get your focus off your struggles. Get your focus off your fears and put your, your, your focus on something else. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, so we do not look at what we can see right now. Don't, don't look at all, only what you can see. He says, don't do that. He says, uh, the troubles all around us. But look forward. Look forward to the joys in heaven, which we've not yet seen. The trouble here will soon be over. But the joys to come will last forever. I, I don't know how much time you have left here. I don't know whether you got 10 minutes or 10 years, 20 years, 60 years, 80 years. I know some of you, you know, that are 70 think you're at midlife right now. And I guess you're planning to live 140. I don't know what the deal is on that. But in light of eternity, all of that's just a blink. It's what the Bible says. It's just a blink. The important promises surrounding our eternity are this life filled with joy. This life that we can't even imagine. Again, Dallas Willard expresses it this way. He said, we should think of our destiny as being absorbed in a tremendously creative team effort with unimaginably splendid leadership on an inconceivably vast plane of activity with ever more comprehensive cycles of productivity and enjoyment. He says, this is the eye hath not seen, neither ear heard, what lies before us. That's out of Isaiah 64. I mean, can you just get that? You will, in heaven, be more productive than you ever have been on earth. Now, some of you are saying, well, that won't take much, you know. But for some of you, that's a big deal because some of you have been very productive here on earth. And you haven't even scratched the surface of your productivity level. If you have bought into Satan's lie that heaven is going to be this kind of ethereal place with eternal heart music and fog just below the knees eternally, you know, and white robes. And if you've bought that lie, you are missing so much of what God has planned for you. So much. He has so much more in mind. The Apostle Paul quoted that same Isaiah passage in 64. He was writing to the Corinthians, again, trying to help them understand something about their everlasting experience. And he he says, no eye has seen, no, no ear has heard. He goes on to say, and no mind has imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love him. How many of you have a really big imagination? Do you? I think I have a big imagination. I've imagined some really big things before. God's word says you can't even begin to imagine all that God has planned for you. You can't can't even begin to imagine. And friends, all of this is for us through the strength that comes in the resurrection. Because Jesus raised, God raised Jesus from the dead. There is so much more. 
But I've got to ask a question here for a moment. I've got to, I've got to dig in personally for, for just a minute and just kind of mess with you for just a second. Have you trusted him? Have you personally put your trust in Jesus? Because that's, that's what it takes for you to have access to that resurrection strength so that you can have access to the real meaningful life, so that you can have the strength for the struggles in this life. You've got to put your trust, you've got to let your soul hope be in that resurrection power of God. Because it gives you life in the here and now that can be lived differently, a far better life. And you don't ever have to worry or contend with death. You can focus on on something better. You can focus on better thoughts. You can focus on things above. You can focus on the riches that you'll have in heaven that you can't even imagine yet. But it starts with Jesus. What have you done with Jesus? And so that's the question I want to pose to you and kind of close our time on this morning. Is have you put your trust in Jesus? Is he the center of your hope? Because if he's not, you will not find real meaning in life. You will struggle instead of living in strength. And you will worry and wonder and fret about what happens after life. And Jesus sets you free from all of those things if you'll put your trust in him. If you'll repent from thinking that you can make it all happen and simply trust in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we, we come, having examined your word, having thought about just three intimate, personal benefits that come into our life because of your resurrection, Jesus. Just three of them. But they're, they're, they're just so powerful. So we come at this moment where we where we have to ask the question. Each one of us has to ask the question, what have I done with Jesus? Have I trusted in who he says he is, the, the only begotten son of God? Have I trusted in his death, his burial, his resurrection? Am I trusting in it today? Because if you haven't, right where you're at, you can just, you can say to Jesus, Jesus, I've tried. I've tried, I've tried to have a meaningful life on my own. I've tried to face my struggles, but I can't. And I I do live with a fear of death. Jesus' resurrection overcomes all of those for you. And all he's asking you to do is to say, quit thinking you can figure it out yourself. Get to that place where Paul got where he said, I'm not relying on my strength anymore. Jesus, I'm coming and I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you, Jesus, to accept me, to receive me, to be my Savior and my Lord. And Jesus says anybody who calls on his name that way will be saved. Many of us, I would say most of us in here, have done that at some point in our lives, but we walk away from it. We we don't get on that path and stay on it where we're getting to know him better and better. And maybe today, maybe Easter of 2022, You're looking for a new resurrection start 
in living a life with strength from God for the struggles you face, living a life that it has real meaning to it, living a life free from worry and fear of death. You can have that in Jesus as you get to know Him better and better. Recommit yourself to do that, to trust Him, to follow Him. And then the Bible says you can live again. You can, you can find that hope. You can have that hope. He wants to open up that grave so that you can come back out. And you can live again. Jesus, we want to live again in you. So we come. We come to bring ourselves once again. We come to worship you, to thank you, to celebrate your resurrection that way.